return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Man is doing fine. Yeah. We give God all the praise for bringing us together to have fellowship. Um, at this moment, I want us to take a word of prayer and then we will zoom into the scripture. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. We give you all the praise and adoration for your goodness, for your faithfulness, for your mercy. As we have gathered in your presence one more time, we pray that your spirit will take divine control over our ministration. We pray that, Lord, you open the eyes of our understanding so that we'll be able to understand your word and walk in them. Thank you for being in our midst this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, we'll be looking at imitating Christ. Imitating Christ. And I want to use this opportunity to thank Pastor Dave, Pastor Randon, Pastor Jeannie for giving me this great privilege to share the word of God with the body of Christ. I always see this as a great privilege because the body of Christ is something that God cherishes so much. A body that he purchased with his own blood. So I feel so honored to share his word with you. Amen. Okay, so we'll be looking at imitating Christ. In the previous weeks, um, I thank God that he has used our pastors, Pastor Randon, Pastor Dave, to share a lot about he cries to us, and I thank God so much. I mean, we've, we've been learning so much. The things that God dropped on my heart are exactly what he has been telling us through our pastors, and I'm so grateful for that. I know whatever we are going to share today is going to encourage us more to walk with Christ. Amen. When we talk about imitating Christ... You know, one interesting thing about humanity is that, um, you know, the children that are born to us, uh, we see one trait that is in it. It's within humanity. It cannot be taken away. And that thing is imitation. You know, toddlers between one and two are are referred to as the best um, copycats. You know, they copy everything that we do. Before they came into the world, they knew nothing. So whatever they need to learn is what they are going to look at us about or they are going to imitate from us. So you hear the children pick the vocabulary we share or we we learn, and then they do the same. You wave, and the child waves back to you. You do something interesting, and the child mimics exactly what you are doing. So it's something that is in it. It's, It's part of humanity. And that same thing also is part of us when it comes to our, our spiritual work with God. You know, we have become children of God. The Bible says that anybody that confesses Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior becomes a child of God. So you also have that spiritual ability to mimic exactly what Christ did. Amen. 
exactly what Christ said, the power that he exhibited on earth, the kind of personality he had when he was on earth. That is the same thing that as a child of God you can also do. Sometimes as believers we think that, well, Jesus was, you know, high up there. We are human. How can we be like him? But I want to encourage you that once you have become a child of God, you have that ability to be like Jesus. Amen. And that is what he is telling you and I to do, to be like him. He no longer exists in our presence in physical, just like I see you and you see me. He is with us spiritually, okay, in the form of a spirit. So you and I who have been called the ambassadors of Christ are now charged with that responsibility to what? Exhibit the nature of Christ here on earth, here on earth. So Jesus is counting on you and I to show to the world that he, he saved us. You know, salvation has come to do a lot of good to us. So we have to let the world out there know about it. Know that through our, our behavior, through our personality, our traits, okay, towards man. Amen. Let's look at First John chapter 2, verse 6. Okay, so it it says that those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. So this is a command to all of us. If you and I are professing to be Christian, then the Bible is telling us that we should live just like Christ lived. We should live just like Christ lived. So those who, who say they live in God should not just live anyhow should not just talk anyhow, should not just act anyhow. Every action and every speech or words that come out of your mouth should tell us that indeed you have had an encounter with Jesus Christ. Amen. Because that is what Christ is expecting you and I to do in his absence, in quotes. I mean, he's still with us in spirit, but I'm looking at the physical presence that is not with us. Let's look at John chapter 3, verse 5 to 6. It reads, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. So you and I, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are born anew. Our spirit is renewed. So it is no longer us who are living. It is the spirit of God in us who is helping us to live like Christ. Okay? So we are not going to depend on our own physical abilities. If that is the case, then we cannot be like Christ. We cannot. Because the Bible says that, you know, the flesh can never please God. The flesh cannot please God. Because right from the time when Adam and Eve faulted or sinned against God, the flesh has become so depraved. And everything that comes out of us in terms of flesh is not able to please God. So we, before we can please him, we need to be born anew. And that is done by the Holy Spirit. Amen. So the words of Jesus indicate clearly that as born again children, we have received a new life in the Spirit. And therefore, the role of the Holy Spirit is critical. Like I said over there, the role of the Spirit is very critical. You cannot love people the way Christ did by your own strength. You cannot um, be patient with people the way Christ was patient with us. 
with your own strength. You are going to depend solely on the Holy Spirit because it is the Holy Spirit that gives us power. You know, before Christ ascended into heaven, he told his disciples that you ought to wait in Jerusalem until you receive what power from on high. And that was the Holy Spirit. So until the Holy Spirit came, you know, they, they couldn't do so much. They couldn't do so much. So because Christ was leaving and he wanted us to continue doing even greater things, which he has said in scripture we would do, he needed to give us the promise. And truthfully, the promise came to us. And you and I today are called what? The temple of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit lives in our body. So we, we are not living on our own now. The Holy Spirit is resident in us and is doing what God expects of us. Amen. So that apart from the fact that we depend on the Holy Spirit, we should also know that it is the Holy Spirit that equips us, empowers us, enables us to, to, to love people, to, to forgive people, to show mercy to people to be patient with people, to be kind to people, to have compassion on people. You know, so it is not done by your, 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 your natural abilities. Once you have become a believer, a born-again Christian, you are now going to rely on the Holy Spirit. So no one here, you and I, have no excuse to say we can't be like Christ. We don't have that excuse, you understand, because we have the Holy Spirit resident in us. So we are now going to depend on the Holy Spirit to achieve what Christ wants us to achieve on earth. Amen. Now we want to look at some traits. You no, know, Jesus Christ, when he came on earth, exhibited some traits. Okay, there are several of them, but I'm going to focus on just three. Three of his personality or his character that we want to look further into and then say, well, so now if I'm a believer, if I'm a born again, then I ought to do this. Then I ought to do that. Then I ought to do this. So I'm going to look at three main traits of Jesus Christ. And the first one is he was a loving father or a loving God. That nature of love, okay, is what you and I have been called to do, to show forth the love that Christ demonstrated to man. Look at Jesus Christ who was there before creation, and the Bible says that he was together with the Father. And everything that we see that has been made was made through him. Okay, So he was already there. But with all the power he had, he still had to what? come down to save mankind. We didn't choose him. He chose us. Even in our sins, he came to die for us. Amen. So he didn't look at his wealth, he didn't look at the power he had, the beauty. I mean, when you cast your mind on creation, everything tells how powerful God is, how awesome he is. You see, so irrespective of all this glory that he had, he still had to come down and was born through a human being, like, like you and I, how we were born. He had to to come all the way, to show that love to us, to reconcile us back to God. Amen. To, to let us know that our God loves us. If, even though we had taken our own way, we are going astray. He's saying that we should come back to God because we are still God's creation, God's chosen ones. Amen. 
Let's look at John chapter 15, verse 18 to 19. Okay, so it says, if you find the godless world hate, is hating you, remember, it, got, it, it starts hating me. If you lived on the world's term, the world would love you as one of its own. But since I picked you to live on God's terms and no longer on the world's terms, the world is going to hate you. You know, as believers, if we are going to love like Christ did, the world will not always embrace us because the world loves sin. You understand? The world loves sin and Christ hates sin. Christ is pointing to the world that, look, you need to repent of your sin and be saved. God is using you and I to to, to tell the world about his love for us. And so we are not going to, you know, enjoy you know, that good good feeling of being loved because we are sharing the gospel. No. At a point, we may face challenges as believers. We may be hated one way or the other. Just like Jesus was hated. This one is his own word to, to his disciple that, look, you are going to be hated just like I was hated. You know, the Jews at a point were, were conspiring against Jesus Christ because he was doing something marvelous. He was healing on the Sabbath, which to them was against the, the law. You understand? They, 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 they plotted to kill him. All these things showed how they hated him. At a point when he was even dining with sinners, they were still talking about him and, and saying so many things about him. They also said um, he, he claimed to be the son of God was using so much power and they didn't understand that how can this person who says he's a messiah you know cast out demons with so much authority is able to forgive sin you know at a point when jesus was healing people he told them look he told one leper that your sins are forgiven and they did not understand why he would say that because it is only god who forgives sin so they they hated him for that so we as believers should also know that Even as we go out there to love the world, the world may hate us. The world may may do all sorts of things against us. But that doesn't mean God has abandoned us. God is still with us. He's still using us to reconcile the world to himself. So when we face such challenges, we shouldn't give up. Amen. We shouldn't give up because... It is expected as believers, as followers of Christ, we may face those challenges. Amen. And so he, 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 he encourages us that, look, even though we face some of these things, we should not give up loving the world. We shouldn't extend that help or preach the gospel to them. We should keep hammering on it because that is the only way he can work get them to repent of their sin. And one interesting thing about Jesus was that he didn't give up doing good. Amen. Even though they kept plotting evil, conspiring against him and all that, he kept healing the sick. He kept what? Touching those who were in need. He kept um, casting demons from people who were under torment and all that. So as believers, irrespective of the challenges that we go through, we should keep doing good to mankind. We should keep extending love to mankind just like Christ what has done to us. And the Bible says that he, he is love. Jesus Christ is love. 
And if Jesus Christ is resident in us, then we also have that ability to love people, irrespective of where they are coming from, irrespective of their races, irrespective of their background, irrespective of their complexion or color, irrespective of whether they are wealthy or not. This is not what God is looking at. God never, you know, discriminated when he was showing love to mankind. He extended his love to all of us, to the Jews, to the Gentiles. And in him, there is no male and there is no female. We are all one in his presence. So this is the same manner in which God wants us all to also love people. Amen. We also see that um, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 2 to 3. Matthew chapter 9, verse 2 to 3. You know, some men brought to him a paralytic lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. So this is what I was referring to when he healed the paralytic and he told him that his sins were forgiven. And at this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. That was what they were saying about Christ. But they didn't know that he is God in human nature, okay? That is God in their presence, but they didn't know. And they were just accusing him of blasphemy, which wasn't what actually Jesus was doing. Uh So these are some of the examples. I think I've skipped some chapters, but that's, that's okay. So let's move on to one other trait I would like us to look at, humility. Humility. Jesus Christ was humble. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, He said, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your soul. This is Jesus' own word, proclamation of who he is, that he is what? Gentle and humble at heart. And that is what you and I have been called to do, to be humble, to be humble, just like Jesus humbled himself, came down from heaven and took the form of mankind. It was so, you know, for God to take that nature was humiliating, you understand. But he did not care about that because he knew the outcome of what he was doing. The fact that when he's done dying on the cross, men will come to believe him and be reconciled with God. So he didn't look at all the glory he had, the power. Imagine Christ, you know, being born by a a, a woman and held like like a baby. You know, he humbled himself. He was God. He could have just decided to appear and do something. You understand? He had power to do anything that he wanted to do. But he wanted to do this to leave an example for you and I. That irrespective of where we are, we ought to humble ourselves, you know, to each other. Humble ourselves. It does not matter whether... We, we are so affluent or not, it doesn't matter if we have positions, you know, in our workplaces and people are serving beneath us. It doesn't matter whether you are able to do powerful things and people have to, you know, control you and all that. It means that you should calm down. Jesus came down to everyone's level. He came down to everyone's level. He was God. But he came down to the level of a prostitute. So he could what? Get her to accept the good news. 
the woman at the well, for example, who had had so many people in her life. And at the end of the day, when Jesus told her the good news, she was, she was so excited about it and went out sharing it to her, her community that I've, I've seen the Messiah. You understand? If Jesus had not come down to her level, she couldn't, he couldn't have what won her to, to him. So we ought to, have to come down. It doesn't matter where we are coming from. It doesn't matter whether we're born with silver spoon in our mouth or not. We should come down to everybody's level, just like Jesus did. Amen. And let's look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 9. This is just a picture of who Jesus was and what he did. I'm, I'm going to read it briefly. It says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above all names. So this is just a picture of who God was and what he did, you understand? Coming down to be born like, like a human being. You know, we know how children grow. Jesus at a point was crawling, at a point was walking, will fall, and then mommy will say, no, keep trying and all that. So, you know, it tells you of how humble he, he was. So humble to be nurtured by human beings. He could have just come out with every character that is expected of him, but he allowed himself to be trained by human parents. You understand? So that is what we too must exhibit in our work here on earth. For people to see that, no, we, we have a unique trait. We have a unique character. The world out there is full of pride. People get everything they want, and they don't want to associate with other people of low positions. You know, but this is not who we are in Christ. We have everything, but God still says that, humble yourself. Humble yourself. Amen. Now, let, let's take the, the next point. I know Pastor Randy has highlighted so much on humility, so I wouldn't talk so much about it, but this is just a, something brief for us to understand, that it is the nature of Christ. It is who Christ was and is expecting all of us to, to have. And you have it. You and I have it. It doesn't mean that if you don't see the traits at work in you, it doesn't exist. Once you are a believer, you have that seed deposited in you because the Spirit of God resides in you. You only have to exercise it, you know, follow the, the Word of God, obey it as the Word tells you. So the more you do it, the more better you become in your work with Christ. Now the third trait that I'll be looking at briefly is forgiving. God Oh, Jesus Christ was a forgiven God. Amen. You know, in our sins, you know, men, men went astray. You know, after disobedience in the Garden of Eden, everything that came out didn't please God. Everything was, was, was not normal again. And the Bible says that we had become objects of wrath. We chose death when Christ was given life. It was our choice to die. He, we, 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 we didn't, you know, heed unto God's 
word you know when he made adam and eve he said look when you eat of the food of the knowledge of good and evil this is the outcome of it and if you do this that will be the outcome but we chose to do the otherwise and that brought death to us so we were were sinful now the promises god had in in store for us in the garden we could no, no longer take hold of that because we had traded it with the devil and we lost everything that he planned for us so we we, we were now objects of wrath god's wrath was upon us but he he knew that no these are the very people i have made in my own likeness and i want to redeem them okay that is why he brought jesus christ on earth so jesus had to go through the plan the master plan and then god our salvation installed and he said this is for everyone it is it is not for a special group of people you know it's for everyone so it doesn't matter um, whether you are poor or rich you only have to what believe that he is your savior and that is it so he's a forgiving god he's a forgiving god let's look at luke chapter 17 verse 1 then he said to the disciples it is impossible that no offenses should come but woe to him through whom they do come you know in this world that we live in this world is a fallen world you know because of sin everything is in a disorder so offenses would come as human as we are we will offend each other we will falter at one point or the other but as believers as children of god god is telling us to exhibit a heart of forgiveness you know because we ourselves were forgiven by god the father you know he forgave us so in the same manner he's telling us that we should forgive each other when we falter i mean people that you love the most when they hurt you it's more painful true or false it's true yes so because we'll be facing these things on earth because of the fallen nature of this world we should be able to forgive as many times as possible and you know one interesting thing about god is that anytime he forgives us he never remembers our sin that is so beautiful but in human terms we say that we can forgive but we cannot forget but jesus is telling us to forgive and what forget about it so it doesn't matter how hurt you are you know as a believer we should learn to what forgive and let go because jesus Christ first word forgave us we had sin and we were condemned but when we when he made you know a solution for our redemption and we accepted it he forgave us all our sins and took us back now he calls us his children we are no longer sinners amen so in the same manner he's telling us that as we we live on earth before he comes we will still be offending each other so when it happens we shouldn't what give up we should keep forgiving each other amen let's look at luke chapter 17 verse 3 and 4 and read so watch yourselves if your brother sins rebuke him and if he repents forgive him if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times comes back to you and says i repent forgive him this is jesus's own words to us imagine if 
let me say your relative, could be your spouse or your child or your grandchild, does something wrong and comes to you for forgiveness. You give, you tell the child not to repeat it. The child repeats it, whoever it is, repeats the same offense and keeps, keeps coming back to you to ask for forgiveness. As human as you are, you may get, you know, tired of forgiving. Yes, you know, but the power does not lie in our own strength. The power lies in the Spirit of God that is resident in us to keep forgiving as many times as possible. To keep forgiving. You know, as believers, as we are still children of God under the grace of God. And as we mature in Christ, we, we falter at some point. We go back to God and ask for forgiveness and he forgives us. So if God is not fed up with us, then we should not be fed up with each other. We should keep forgiving each other. It doesn't matter how intense the offense is. You know, sometimes people classify offenses as mild. This one is too extreme. So the extreme offenses we, we cannot forgive, but the milder ones we, we forgive. No, but Christ is saying that it does no matter the kind of offense, we should what? Forgive. Amen. We should forgive. You know, people go through experiences in life and they think that, well, as for this particular thing this other person has done to me, I don't think I can forgive. But God is saying that we should count on the Holy Spirit to help us. Amen. We should rely on the Holy Spirit because he is going to what? Strengthen us. He is going to empower us to do it. I've watched documentaries on TV and I've seen people who have to meet face to face with murderers of their relatives. And it was, you could see that it was so difficult to, what, to let go. If it's an unbeliever, it would be so, so difficult. But if it's a believer, you can derive your strength from the Holy Spirit. And he will what, help you to let go the offense. Amen. Now, let, let's... let's Look at this critically. You know, when Jesus was saying this, at some point in scripture, he said that you, you have to forgive 70 times. What? Seven. You know, around that time in the life of the Jews, they thought that it was too extreme because the rabbis were teaching them that, you know, when people offend you more than three times, it is unnecessary to forgive the fourth time. So let's look at Amos chapter 1 verse 3 to 13. It's a very long scripture, but I'll just look at some few. 3 to 13. So it says, this is what the Lord says. For three cents of Damascus, even four, I will not turn back my wrath. Because she threshed Gilead with sledges having iron teeth. I will send fire upon the house of Hazel. That will consume the fortresses of Ben-Hadad. When you read further, it you see that in some verse it kept repeating that for three cents of so so and so I will not turn back. You know, this was the old covenant. We are in a new word covenant. We are in a new covenant. When Jesus came, he told us, No, I'm I'm not abolishing this, but I'm making it better. I'm telling you and I that forgive as many times. So it is not about multiplying 70 by 7, you know, and getting the value and say, okay, then I'm going to meet that standard and after that I can't forgive anymore. It's not about that. It is about the grace, okay? We are in the grace, a period of grace. So we are not relying on a limited law 
of the old covenant, we are now relying on what? The unlimited what? Grace in the new covenant to forgive every day. Amen. So the, the, these are basically few trade, but maybe hopefully in the future, if we get other opportunities, we'll continue some of the traits of Jesus Christ and, and then see how we can also learn and emulate those traits in our work with Christ or reproduce those behaviors or character that Jesus had in our work with him on earth here. So I just want to conclude that, you know, Jesus Christ is counting on you and I. Presently, if somebody sees you and you are claiming that you are a Christian, the person must see you as Jesus. Amen. The person must not see you as who you are, as Hilda. The person must see beyond Hilda and see Jesus at work in me on earth. So I am trusting God that even as we meditate on his word, he will enlighten us to know him better and to walk with him even as we wait on his second coming. May God bless his word in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife at brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., Also, Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.